The text for this morning is from Luke 17, the verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. After the sermon, we will sing together from Psalm 107 to stanzas 1, 2, 7, and 8. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, Martin Luther wrote in his book, Table Talk, the greater God's gifts and works, the less they are regarded. Isn't that the truth? Every day the sun rises, but we hardly give it a thought. At night, the whole sky glitters with billions upon billions of stars we barely notice. Every day we have food and drink in abundance we take it for granted. Oh sure, we do our God-given duty and we give thanks to God at mealtimes. We also regularly attend church and give our financial contributions and put our change in the collection bags for the deacons. We do what is required. But often, that's just it. In Luke 17, we read about the Lord Jesus' interaction with his disciples. The Lord Jesus tells his disciples what their duty is. He says that if someone sins against them seven times a day, that then they must forgive that person each time. There is no end to the forgiveness that they must give. Disciples do not think that they are capable of that. And so they ask the Lord Jesus to increase their faith. That, however, is not their problem. The Lord Jesus points out that even if they have the faith of a mustard seed, that then they can do mighty things. And then the Lord Jesus gives them a parable. He tells them about a servant who works all day for his master and who comes home and is then expected to serve his master first before he himself can sit down to a meal. The servant should not expect that just because he has been working the whole day long and the master himself 
has been doing nothing or little, that now he is entitled to his food and drink right away. Know that master needs to be served first. After all, that's his task. He is the servant and he has to do his duty. It may seem to us that the servant has done already a lot, but that is his lot in life. He should not have to be thanked for the work that he did either. All he has to do is what is required of him. This may seem unfair, but in reality it isn't. The same principle is now extended to the ten lepers who were healed. When the Lord Jesus told them to go to the priest to have them declared cleansed, that's exactly what they did. They did what was required. They went to the priests in Jerusalem. They also acted in faith. For when the Lord Jesus told them to do that, they were still full of leprosy. At that point, there was no indication at all that they had already been cleansed from their leprosy. Nevertheless, they go in faith. And as they go, they see that their leprosy is healed. After that, they went their separate ways. They had done their duty in order to be cleansed. One leper, however, did more. He went back to the Lord Jesus. He showed how joyful he was. He gave thanks to God and glorified his name. He showed the greatness of his faith in that he showed true thankfulness to God for what he has done through Jesus Christ, his son. He did more than just his duty. As you will see, that's also what God requires from you and me. You and I, we also have to be truly thankful. And that's what I want to preach to you about this morning. The theme of the sermon is do more than your duty and be truly thankful. You can only do that if you are aware of, in the first place, your terrible condition. In the second place, the need for divine intervention. And in the third place, the requirement of a saving faith. And so the theme is as follows, do more than a duty and be truly thankful. First, you have to look at your terrible condition. The definition of leprosy in biblical days was different from today. Leprosy included all kinds of skin diseases and was not even limited to human beings. Leprosy was a disorder that could affect people and even fabrics and houses. According to Leviticus, Leviticus 13 verse 49 and 14 verse 37, a house or a fabric was considered to be leprous when it had greenish or reddish depressions that appeared to be deeper than the surface of the wall or fabric. If you touched such a fabric or lingered in such a home, then you were required to bathe and wash all your clothes. The infected fabrics would have to be burned and the building materials affected with such mildew would have to be discarded and the house would need to be rebuilt. People who were afflicted with leprosy themselves can pollute others. And for that reason, they were forbidden to have contact with other people. They were not allowed to enter people's houses or to have any physical contact with others. 
According to Mosaic law, such a person was considered to be unclean. Consequently, they were not allowed to live with their families or to worship in the temple. According to Numbers 5, verse 2 and 3, they were even required to live outside the city. They were also commanded to rend their clothes and to cover their faces and cry out unclean whenever anyone came close to them. And so a leper was not able to have an intimate relationship with anyone. Lepers were isolated and outcast. During the time of the Lord Jesus, the prohibitions against lepers were even greater than as prescribed in the Old Testament laws. For example, rabbinic tradition required that they stand at least 100 paces from anyone else. And so there were many other rules and regulations. The Pharisees also thought that leprosy was given to a person because of certain sins. They taught that God had afflicted them in this way and therefore now they wore the mark of God's displeasure. And so if you were a leper, you essentially lost everything. You lost your family, your job, your money, and your standing in the community. You were not even allowed to worship with the rest of God's people. And so those ten lepers will have been keenly aware of their condition. Because every moment of each day, they were reminded of their situation in life. It was not a pleasant one. <clears throat> no doubt every one of those ten lepers would have given anything to be cured. All their thinking revolved around their terrible plight. They sought a cure wherever they could. But a cure was nowhere to be found. No priest could cure them and no doctor could cure them. No matter what they did, no matter what lotion they applied to their skin or what water they bathed themselves in, <clears throat> their condition did not improve. Although they continued to hold out some kind of hope, they knew that they might never be cured in their lifetime. In some ways, we can apply our own condition to the condition of the lepers. Because, brothers and sisters, because of our sins, you and I, we are totally lost and ruined and outcast. We're all covered all over with the devilement of sin. There's not a part of our existence that is free from pollution. We have that dreaded disease of self-righteousness, and pride, we are nothing else but sin. If we do not find a cure for our condition, then for us there is no hope. These ten lepers cried for help because they were constantly reminded of their condition. You can imagine. They could not help but be. For us, that's different, isn't it? We need to be constantly reminded and told about our sinful condition. God's law tells us that. If it weren't for the condemnation of the law, we would not know our sin and misery. A believer in God must know 
what terrible shape he or she is in. And that's what those disciples had to understand, and that's what you and I have to understand as well. We're sinners. We're polluted. And we need to be saved from our sins. We're also weak in ourselves, aren't we? We cannot do anything without God. We think we can. And we can uh, pat ourselves on the back for being such good people who do their duty, who provide for their families, and who give thanks to God in prayer and in worship. But really, where are we without God? In his answer to Job, God speaks from his throne and says to him and shows us for the powerless creatures that we are. He says in Job 38, 34 and following, Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you, can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, Here we are? And verse 41, who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God for help and wander about for lack of food? <coughs> Brothers and sisters, all of creation is dependent on God. Do you realize how helpless you are without him? We may take it for granted. But the truth is that everything that we receive is from the hand of God. The crops would not grow, and the sun would not shine, and the rain would not come down if it were not for the Almighty Creator, <clears throat> for He is the one who controls all things. He is the one who clothes you and me, who feeds us, who shelters us. He is the one who makes it possible for us to worship together as well for he is the one who works faith in our hearts he is the one who elects us and who will bring us to our final destination it's all God's doing how much aware are we of these things as we go about our daily lives how aware are you of that isn't it true that many of these things we take for granted? This world receives many things from God. The sun also shines for them and the crops also grow for them. They have prosperity and everything they need. But only because God gives it to them. And they do not realize their sinful condition and how dependent they are on God. And therefore they do not give thanks to him. They don't think they need him. And the consequence is that they receive all those things that God gives them. They receive that to their condemnation. Let that not be said of you and me. Because the lepers were aware of their condition. They sought help. They saw the need for divine intervention. That's the second point. These lepers had heard about the reputation of the Lord Jesus and that he could heal the people from their illnesses. 
The Lord Jesus had been doing his public ministry for some time now, and he had become quite well known. He had done some miraculous things, even bringing people back from the dead. It's understandable, therefore, that when these lepers had heard that the Lord Jesus was coming their way, that they wanted to meet him. And so they prepared for his coming. They found a place along the road to the city where they could safely call out to him and where they knew they would be heard. And when they were close enough to the Lord Jesus, they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They used the word master. That's the word that Peter also uses in Luke 5 verse 5. It's only used in the gospel of Luke. And the word means chief commander. They knew that they were dealing with somebody who was powerful, who had authority over disease and authority over death. They trusted to help them. They knew that they expected something from the Lord Jesus that they could expect from no one else. They knew that only someone with divine power could do what they were asking. That's something that we have to realize as well. Our sinful condition can only be cured by divine intervention. You know that, don't you? No one else can do it. There's no doctor, there's no psychologist, there is no counselor, no spiritual leader, no matter how many degrees they may have behind their names, there's no father or mother, no minister or elder who can cleanse us from pollution and our sinful condition. No one else can heal us, only God can. No one else can save us from death. Only the Lord Jesus came. Why did he come to earth? He came in order to cure us from death and disease. He came in order to do away with sin and all the effects of sin. He came because he had pity on God's people. He came because he deeply cared about his creation. And he wanted everything to be restored to its original sinless beautiful condition. But only for those who would put their trust in him. Only they will benefit from his healing powers. Without faith you can't be saved. We come to the third point. When the Lord Jesus heard their cry for help, he responded at once. As soon as he saw the ten lepers and observed their terrible condition, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. What the Lord Jesus wanted them to do was for them to go back to Jerusalem, to the priests who are on active duty there, and there to go through the purification process that would allow them to be declared cleansed from their leprosy. That is what was prescribed in the Old Testament. And the ten lepers did exactly as they were told even though when they were told that to them, they had not yet been cleansed. Jesus tells them to go before the healing is already accomplished. 
Yet, and that's to their credit, they believed the Lord Jesus. They believed that they would be healed, which is exactly what happened as they made their way back to Jerusalem. From the place where the Lord Jesus healed them, it would have been a couple of days' journey to Jerusalem. And so you can just imagine their conversation. As they were making their way, they would have had lots to talk about as the scales fell off their skin and as they could see and feel and touch their healthy skin. No doubt they would have talked about the kinds of things that they would be able to do now that they have a new lease on life. They will be able to go back to their families. They will be reacquainted with their old friends. We can have a job again. Things are going to be normal again. Isn't that wonderful? Who would have thought that this could happen? They couldn't wait until they would have permission from the priests to resume their normal lives. And no doubt as they presented themselves to the priest, they would have told them all about how they were cured and who was responsible for their new health. And Jesus already knew that that would happen. At this point, he was not a popular man amongst the establishment. The Pharisees and the scribes and the priests were all against him. We read, for example, in Luke 16, verse 14, that the Pharisees sneered at him. We read for, and, and they couldn't stand him any longer. For the Lord Jesus criticized them in their way of doing things. He exposed them as sinners. You now, you have these people here praising this man for all the things that he did. After these lepers were declared to be clean, which was a two-week purification process, the lepers went their separate ways. However, only one of them, and this man was not even an Israelite, a Jew, a despised Samaritan, only he returned to the Lord Jesus. He did this before he went back to his family and friends and hometown. And from the questions that Lord Jesus asks from this Samaritan, it is clear that this man stayed with the others as long as he could and that during their travels he made every effort to persuade the other lepers to go back with him to thank the Lord Jesus. And this fits in with the chronology of the events as described in Luke. For in the beginning of this passage it says that the Lord Jesus was traveling along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Yet the context shows that he is already in Judea by the time the Samaritan catches up with him again. A few weeks had passed and now the Lord Jesus has made his way back to Judea. As the Samaritan approaches the Lord Jesus, he praises God in a loud voice. He is totally unashamed and uninhibited. And that is because of the overwhelming gratitude that he feels in his heart. Whereas before, yes, he was full of sorrow because of his condition. Now his heart is full of joy for his healing. But he does more than just praise and thank God. 
he also walks right up to the Lord Jesus and, show, and throws himself at Jesus' feet. It's wonderful that now he is able to do that. He is allowed to approach him. He has been declared cleansed. There are no longer any barriers between him. It's important to note that Luke makes the editorial comment that this leper was a Samaritan. A Samaritan of all people was the only one who came back to thank the Lord Jesus. It is at this point that Jesus questions him. But in so doing, he actually addresses the crowd. He knows what took place. And, he's, and so he makes more of a statement than of asking questions. Jesus says, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? The Lord Jesus draws attention to the fact that this man is a foreigner. Of all people, you would not expect this from him. You would expect it from the Jews among them, from God's covenant people. But they were nowhere to be found. The point that the Lord Jesus makes here is that God's own people do not appreciate what he has done and continues to do in their lives. They do not appreciate the fact that the Lord Jesus came down to help them and to bless them and to heal them. And that is typical of Israel. Only a few of God's people will accept him as their savior. Only a few of them will give thanks to him. Oh sure, Israel goes through the motions. They have their prayers. They go to the synagogue and they go to the temple and they make their sacrifices as required. They're very religious people. But that's all they do. It's just a matter of doing their duty. Do you see what the problem is, brothers and sisters? There is no joy in it. It's almost as if it is a chore for them. And that is because they do not fully realize their own sinful condition. And because they don't, they don't see the need for a cure either. They do not appreciate either that it is God who gives health and food and drink. They believe that they receive these things because of their own efforts, because they're such good people. They believe that somehow they deserve these things. Well, it's not enough just to do your duty. There must be joy in it. Is there joy in your life? Do you express that in your prayers? Joy for salvation through no merit of your own? Joy that God works in your heart with his Holy Spirit cleanses you and renews you? Joy for the gift of eternal life no matter what circumstances you find yourself in? Your heart must be full of thankfulness that God is the one who gives you these things. For he gives these things to you and me in spite of the fact that we don't deserve anything. You do not deserve to be healed. You do not deserve to be cleansed from your sins. You do not deserve eternal salvation. It's only because of God's grace 
that he lavishes you with his gifts. Brothers and sisters, same thing is true for all of us. The Lord requires from you, from me, to do more than just our duty. He wants us to give thanks to him as well, and he wants us to do that with great joy in our hearts. We cannot just go about our daily business as if nothing has happened in our lives. No, our lives must be a lives full of thankfulness. Our whole life must be full of joy because of the salvation that we receive through Jesus Christ alone. He gives us food and drink and shelter. He gives us peace and prosperity. He gives us family and friends. And above all, he gives us a faith community. And he gives us the wonderful gift of life. He gives us new mercies every day. Even when death stares you in the face or death stares you in the face of a loved one, then you can still give thanks. You still can be assured of eternal life for all those who believe in him. There are those who think that because they do so many good things that therefore God must thank them for what they have done. That's the way the Pharisees were. Because of their faithfulness, God owes them prosperity. God needs to pay them in one way or the other. And if he doesn't, well, then we're disappointed, right? Why did he do that to me? Look at what a good person I am. Think about how children are. Parents expect them to do chores around the house, to mow the lawn or shovel the snow, help with the dishes, clean the house. And they want to get rewarded for that. That's the way children are. That's what we all are like. We think we need a reward for everything. Little do they realize that it is the parents who gives them food and shelter and drink and everything they need. They already have their reward. They don't need to be paid. Well, sure, it doesn't mean you can give them something. Not because they, you owe that to them. Because you love them. Brothers and sisters, that's the same way it is with us. When we pay our contributions to the church and try to keep God's commandments in every way, then we are just like that servant in that parable. All we have done is our duty. We have to do more. You have to be joyful. After the Samaritan gives thanks to the Lord, Jesus then addresses him personally. He says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Many translations have it this way, but in reality, in the original it says, your faith has saved you. Brothers and sisters, that is a significant statement. Because to whom does he say that? He says that to a Samaritan. A Jewish rabbi tells this man that he is safe from his sins. He gives him his blessing. Everything he says to him is well between you and God. And you are one of his dear children by faith. In those days, in order to become part of God's people, the way that it was set up by the Jews, 
certain ceremonies had to take place first. Someone outside of the faith community of the Jews first had to be baptized. And then he would have to go through a cleansing ceremony with water. And you also needed to be circumcised. And then there was also other requirements made of such a person. And only then would he or she be allowed to come into the temple and enjoy fellowship with God and his people. None of that had taken place with the Samaritan. The Lord Jesus says that his faith has made him well. Isn't that true for all of us? Your baptism doesn't save you. Your church membership doesn't save you either. And your baptism is not a sign of your regeneration either. No, it is a sign of God's grace. It is a sign of God's faithfulness. It is a sign of God's love. The Samaritan was saved because he showed his great thankfulness to God for his deliverance through no merit of his own. Now what about the other nine lepers? Were they saved? Well, the Lord Jesus says nothing about that. We don't know what lives in their hides. But we do know that they had to realize that they needed not just to be saved from their skin condition, but especially from their sin condition. If you're not aware of that, then you will not be saved. Brothers and sisters, do you believe that God sent his son to save you from your sins? Do you believe that because of him you are as rich as you are? Then give thanks to him. Don't do that just on Thanksgiving Day, but do that all the days of your life. Give thanks to him for all his gifts, your food and drink and shelter, and especially for your salvation through faith alone. Give thanks to him. And he will heal you as well. He will totally heal you and cleanse you from all your sins. Amen.